to the Domestiques podcast. I'm Mike Tomolaris and we're up to episode six of the new series where we have followed and we have loved following the 2023 Tour Down Under. Well, straight off the top, the Domestiques would not be possible without the support of our major sponsors. We're powered, as always, by Black Sheep Cycling Apparel. And a big thank you to our new sponsor, Honan Insurance Group, it's not an insurance company. Honan Insurance Group is an insurance broker. So whether it's a car, a home, a property of any description, and you want the best deal, Honan Insurance Group are the people to speak to. Speak to Chris and the team. They will give you a good deal. Well, I'm on the 19th floor of the Stanford Hotel in Adelaide, rubbing shoulders with my partner in crime. It's Lee Hollywood-Turner. Hello to you, Hollywood. Hello, Mike. Hello, Matilda. And hello to you, Tills. Hi, guys. Nice to see you again. Oh, you sound so sincere, Tills. <laughs> you want me to go on? So the sincere. <laughs> Tills, um, if if I sound very professional today, there's a good reason for it. I'm stepping it up picture. a bit. Yeah, because I. Oh, thank God. <laughs> My my back sore from carrying you to the last six six stages. I need to see a Cairo yeah, yeah, well, so lift. We did uh, we did have a, a mini conference, uh, um, Hollywood and I, and we did we did realise that uh, uh, you like were carrying it. us. So we, I mean, I mean uh, we we have equal billing here, so you shouldn't be carrying anybody, isn't that right, Hollywood? Exactly. All right, I'm looking forward to you doing it, doing dumber. a turn. All right. Well, first of all, let's talk about today, uh, not uh, in terms right. of the race, but what did you do today, Holly? Well, you had a big day. Yeah, I had a big day today. I actually rode the whole stage. I did the uh, challenge ride that Bicycle Networks ran today. It was a, a really well-run event, and I rode the course. And honestly, I had a shocking day, and karma came got back and got me. I was getting passed by people with handlebar bags on the front, hairy legs, you name it. I had a shocking day. I found the course so hard. It was like over 2,000 metres of climbing and just 120 k's. It was up, down, up, down, up, down all day. I hated it. It was so hard. I'm, I can't wait to get back to the smooth bitumen of Beach Road where there's one metre elevation. <laughs> well, you're doing it pretty uh, – you are doing it pretty well because you have got uh, busted arms yeah, and uh, anyway, you, you're, you're busted up. But Tills, on the road today, we saw the changing of the guard in the general classification. And for those who are just uh, – Trying to keep up, I can tell you we have a new overall leader in the Tour Down Under. He's an Australian. His name is Jay Vine. And uh, he has a 15-second lead over the stage winner today, the Spaniard, the seasoned campaigner, as a matter of fact, Pelo Bilbao. 15 seconds is the margin. In third place, Simon Yates. And uh, Yatesy is 16 seconds in arrears of Jay Vine. We expected the uh, fireworks to happen on the corkscrew road tills, but prior to that, they left Norwood. They made their way up Norton Summit, Checkers Hill, but it all happened on that last climb. How did you see the race? 
Yeah, I think, um, so. Uh, you know, even though we've complained a little bit that the, you know, most of the beginning of the racing has been a little bit boring, it is an absolute privilege and enjoyment to have racing on during the day uh, in the Southern Hemisphere. Usually, uh, yeah, we only get to watch the highlights. So usually what I do is just check in um, in the first few hours to see what's happening. And of course, today we had two riders go up the road. So that really meant that there wasn't going to be too much action behind. I was a little bit surprised that Alpes and Phoenix were so active in helping Lotto, um, uh, helping Jumbo Visma drive the front. I think they were trying to get a few bonus seconds for Caden Groves, which I'm not sure if that was just practice, but um, he's sitting 13th overall and actually dropped six places today and isn't in the running for the points classification either. So sometimes if the team isn't performing, the DS gets on the radio and tells them to drive the front. So that could have been the, uh, the case today. But yeah, they started, it was it was very much a, a day of three climbs. So they started on Norton Summit, very, very famous Adelaide climb. It's very easy to access from the city. They then went out to the Checkers climb, which is um, much, much shorter. Uh, and then um, it really started to get quite active in the lead up to the corkscrew. There was a lot of discussion about, you know, going down the hill was actually going to be just as important as going up. There was a lot of, um, you know, the commentators talking about uh, that a lot of riders had actually put big rings, bigger rings on their bikes um, to go as fast as they could down the hill um, to try to position themselves before the corkscrew climb. Because you just can't, you can't make up those numbers if you're not hitting the bottom of that climb um, near the front, uh, you're not going to see the front. So, and that's what we really saw. We saw, um, you know, pace up to 90 kilometers an hour. It was, um, they were going absolutely motorbike pace down there and very much leading up to the corkscrew. And um, yeah, then we saw the fireworks, but both um, Bahrain victorious, um, uh, Jayco Lula and UAE really well positioned at the front and, and helping their key riders. Um, which is where we saw Peo Bilbao, Simon Yates and Jay Vine take off. And Jay was the first to take off. Um, Simon Yates followed and looked quite comfortable. And um, Peo Bilbao did really well to close that gap um, up to Jay Vine. And they, as we said, we knew that whoever went over, they would probably take it all the way to the line because it was a little bit shorter than the, the women's stage of corkscrew. Um, and, yeah, we saw Jay, um, all three working really strongly. Jay Vine, he was riding his way into the the ochre jersey the leaders jersey so he wasn't too interested in the sprint and sort of took it all the way and I it looked like um Pale Bilbao looked like he stepped out quite early but I think Simon Yates actually didn't made his move too late and just couldn't get across um couldn't get over Pale and so um yeah he took the stage Simon took second Jay in third and it moves Simon Yates up um as well as um, Bill Bow. Bill Bow moves up 14 places. Yates moves up nine places. So that could be the podium that we're looking at um, come the end of the tour. But yeah, there's still two stages to be one and one. And we've got a new leaders jersey in J Vine in orange. Yeah, I, I uh, was the at the. Yeah, I was at the finish, so, and I was uh, speaking to one of my uh, friends from Giant who was with the team last night, and I said, "What's going to happen?" He said, "Nothing. It's all going to be at the bottom. At they'll all be they'll all be together at the bottom of the corkscrew, and then watch Simon Yates." So I didn't really pay much attention until it was coming to the corkscrew, and then Jay Vine went, and then obviously Simon went, and my friend from um, Giant said, "Simon, he's Italian, just saying he's just sitting and he's having a cigarette, he's doing it easy," and I'm like, "Really?" So I sort of knew what was going to 
happen, but it was obviously quite obvious. And then because obviously they're throwing everything behind Simon now for the GC and then obviously Bling, I think, is going for the, uh, the sprint jersey. So, look, it's going to be interesting because I'm actually mm. interviewing Simon Yates tonight in the village. So it'll be interesting. I'll get some good oh, insight great. on what's going on. I can report back tomorrow. I'm interviewing him in uh, Hepburn in the village. So it should be good. So um, I'll report back tomorrow night with the insights he gives tonight. Batil's uh, Jay Vine, uh, very smart tactics today. He didn't have to win the stage. He knew with the time gap over the chasing peloton that he did enough to uh, uh, push his way, promote himself into the overall leadership. And that margin now, 15 seconds, as I say, over Peor Bilbao, who is a seasoned campaigner. He's 32 years of age, has been around a long, long time. Has uh, When you look at his Palmares, he's uh, done a lot of things, including finished in the top 10 of uh, Grand Tours, on four occasions. So, uh, and with Simon Yates in third place, uh, it's it's quite a strong GC in the top three. Yeah, I think, but Jay Vine also has an incredible team around him. I think he wouldn't have been the chosen GC um, before yesterday for UAE. He's got the likes of Mark Hershey, who I just think is such an exciting um, rider. Um, there, he was leading him out. And then he's got his final lead out um, during the climb was George Bennett, uh, the Kiwi, who's um, a also a previous GC rider. Um, he actually holds the... KOM for the corkscrew in a time of six minutes and 20 seconds, um, which is pretty incredible. Um, I was actually looking at the Strava and um, Marco Lee, he actually is up there. He has six minutes and 45 seconds, which is pretty good. Wow. I reckon I would have done 66 minutes and five seconds today. Yeah, so um, that's the yeah that's that's the KOM, and it still stands. Um, they didn't take it off him uh, from today, so he's certainly um, surrounded by uh, some really strong riders who I think are able to protect him. Um, but yeah, I think I think unpacking the stage, um, it was great to see Matthews uh, sort of won the bunch. Uh, he came in fourth. He now goes into the sprinters' jersey, which it will be fantastic to see him hopefully take away something. Um, but yeah, tomorrow is a um, looking like a, a looking like a sprint stage. Tills, I noticed uh, Robbie McEwen gave Jay Vine the ride of the day on the television coverage. And sure, Jay did a great job. But for me, it was Peo Bilbao. I mean, the way he just bridged the gap from the chasing peloton on Corkscrew Road to join both uh, Jay Vine and Simon Yates, that was pretty impressive, uh, very impressive. And it was enough to get him the stage victory in the end. Yeah, and it, t- it gives Bahrain victorious two um, stage wins already for the year. So, yeah, it's a really good start. I think Peo Babau was saying, I think they have an Australian DS or Australian staff member. Yeah, Neil who, Stevens. Um, it's Neil really Stevens. Targeting. Yeah, yeah, really targeting this race. It means a lot to them. Um, so it means a lot to him. So, uh, yeah, I think months ago, like in October, he was telling them, you you pick for two and out under, start training. This is... You know, we want to do well here. So, um, yeah, it's paying off. And, yeah, I think um, it'd be good to actually pause on Jay Vine a little bit. Like, I think obviously a lot of people know how he's come into the peloton. He obviously won that Zwift Academy, which was the indoor competition. Didn't have that huge amount of credibility to join the pro peloton, but he's certainly given it enormous credibility, I think, and and shown um, just how you can follow a different path. Because Jay Vine, like, I'm not even sure he would be in the pro peloton. Um, he was never selected on an Australian national team. He was just in a NRS team. He was quite a bit older. 
he wasn't under 23. I think he was, um, you know, closer to 25, 27. Um, and yeah, you look at, you look at Jay Vine now and, and, you know, he wouldn't even be riding for Australia potentially. Um, and now he's the leader of the tour down under. And I, you know, I think of Jimmy Wheel and Lee and, you know, very potentially mm-hmm. similar riders right now, this time of year. Um, and he could be in the same posi- um, position. And yes, not everyone's peaking. This isn't the Tour de France. Um, but I think someone like him, and you saw, um, you know, Jay Vine didn't do very well at nationals. In the Australian nationals, he pulled out after just a few laps. Um, he didn't have the best day. And now he's come out and, um, and really dominating the race and looking so good on the climb. So I think you know, it's just such a game of sliding doors and opportunities and moments. And this one moment of him um, winning the Zwift Academy has just put him on this trajectory that um, he potentially may not have gotten. And we're now seeing just how good he could be. Yeah, it's pretty impressive from Zwift to two stages at the Vuelta and now leading the TDU and an Australian national uh, TT champion, amazing! It really is. Well, he's got a lot to prove, and I think he's starting off uh, very well with his new team UAE. And wouldn't it be great uh, for his new employer if he could if he could bag a victory in his first race? Uh, um, I think he's just growing with confidence with every passing day, every passing race, and it'd be nice to have uh, the Tour Down Under in his uh, in his chest of drawers, in his trophy cabinet. But there's a long way to go. Uh, when we look ahead to tomorrow's stage on Saturday uh, through the McLaren Vale vineyards, it's relatively flat tills. And look, it's all going to come down to uh, the decisive final stage on Mount Lofty. And the Tour Down Under, remember, has never finished on that summit. It's uh, It's been to Wollonga, of course, many, many times, but never on Mount Lofty. And this is a refreshing change which has been implemented by the new race director, Stuart O'Grady. Yeah, it's going to be massive. Like, to, let's like just forget tomorrow for a sec. Sunday's going to be massive. From the uh, end of the stage, I actually rode back into town. I rode next to Chris Hamilton from uh, DSM. Some, are they still somewhere, DSM, or is it just DSM? And he was saying that the stage on Sunday is going to be huge. It's, it's a lot harder than what it looks, and obviously the GC will be sh- shaken up or it, the race will be won or lost on that day. So Sunday is really shaping up like you'd expect, like Wollonga used to be, but it's going to be a really hard stage. I think, how many elevation? 3,000 metres of elevation. Mm. So there was 2,000 today and I'm cooked. So imagine 3,000 on um, uh, Sunday. So, yeah, it's plenty of racing ahead. Yeah, but prior to that, uh, let's talk about the Wollonga stage. And there's no uh, climbing of the Mount Wollonga or the Wollonga Hill um, they're basically just doing a flat stage, which opens up some doors for Caleb Ewan. Um, he missed out by the barest of margins in the uh, in the classic, uh, the Criterion, the street race a few days ago. So here's his chance to uh, pick up stage honours. That's the sort of course the penultimate stage uh, will will produce, provide. Do you agree, Tools? Yeah, so he won – sorry, Mike, he won the classic but missed out on stage one um, – yeah, so I think um, – and the Classic didn't really go towards anything, um, just a little bit of confidence for him. But, yeah, I think you'll have a little bit more competition because there's a lot of teams that have come all this way and yet to um, really score not only any points but just even have their team um, on camera. So, yeah, he'll have competition from the likes of who we already spoke about, Caden Groves and, and Michael Matthews potentially as well. 
um, from from Jayco, depending on how much they all go in and protect Yates uh, tomorrow. But I really, really hope to see it's Caleb Ewan um, coming across the line first. So, yeah, but he's going to have to use other teams. He's in the Australian national team. They're not going to be out of control much, but that's what he does best is surfing other um, lead-out trains. All right, just a couple of things that I want to talk about. Um, uh, the Twitter and Under, I'm loving it. I'm here really as a spectator. I'm here as a, a recreational rider. I uh, was in the hills today. I climbed Norton Summit, which I've done in the past, um, and also uh, worked my way down Gorge Road. I didn't do the corkscrew today. Um, I have done it in the past, but the reason I didn't do it was uh, so I could rush back to the hotel room and watch the end of the race and I'm so glad I did but as a uh, member of the general public I'm seeing uh, a professional bike race with different eyes normally I'm in a television uh, compound uh, uh, watching it uh, watching the races on a tv screen and sure I did that today but I got a chance at uh, Norton Summit to get close and personal to uh, the peloton as uh, it made its way past the spectators' tills. And if you have a look at my social media, I posted uh, a slow mo video. I was so close to these riders, and there's no other sport that will allow spectators to get so close. Um, and that's great, but it can be dangerous. Um, and I think for the first time, I realized how dangerous it can be. I mean, I was literally touching the the handlebars of the riders as they made their way up and sure they weren't traveling that fast but uh, it has a potential as we all know uh, of creating a disaster and i'm not professing that it's right or wrong to be as close as possible to the riders but the danger element is there and uh, while uh, we're allowed to get as close as uh, close as possible to the riders uh, uh spectators like myself today will do so in the future unless there are barriers up but we all know that's not possible as a as a as a rider yourself uh, of of an elite level how do you feel about spectators being so close to to the peloton to the riders in the peloton that's what makes our sport great you know it's uh you can't get that close to the tennis players or the f1 cars or um you know it is it is what makes our sport great and um i haven't experienced it to the level of the tour de france or the welter enduro but um obviously there's the odd um issue uh but i i think it's also just incredible um how well the riders cope with that um imagine being under so much strain so much stress and then you've got um you know spectators in your face yelling and touching you and getting in the way potentially um so yeah apart from alberto betiol yesterday when he threw a bottle with the cameraman um majority of the riders cope with it extremely well so yeah i would hate to see that be taken away but we've also seen it when cameras dogs bags get in the way and just how badly that can go wrong but yeah it's absolutely probably the best part of our sport can we rant 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 medication yeah, I've had my medication. Look, my rant today is I did a grand find. I had a bad day. But you know what really annoys me is when you're on the front and you're pulling and you're driving along all on the flat and you've got the big line behind you and and then it goes uphill a little bit and you start to go backwards and not one person says thanks. They just go around <laughs> you and hit it hard. And the old invalid was just struggling getting tailed off. I'm thinking, I've just been dragging you guys around. 
on the flat and not one person says thanks or goes past me slowly and just we ease up the climb. They just go around and it's like, you know what? Thanks for nothing. I was just, that's my rant. So if you're going right, to sit on someone, which see. is fine, just say thank you. I, I sit on everyone but at back home, but just say thanks. Say thanks, mate, and just roll, roll up. Thanks, Everyone mate. That's tomorrow all you're who's do. listening, if you do pass Lee Hollywood Turner, just yell <laughs> out thanks. He just needs a bit of appreciation. But no, I have a, I guess a more serious one as well to add to um, not so much the rant, but uh, I think we've seen um, it was announced um, on the first stage that um, James Knox was actually um, disqualified from the race, which sounds absolutely, um, you know, over the top. Uh, but, yeah, he was, you know, this is a rider from Quickstep, Sedal, um, come all the way over here from Belgium um, in Europe, uh, here with his team, and he was involved in one of the accidents that happened on stage one. He did take quite a while to get going again because he was checked for concussion. He was checked by the medical doctors. And then uh, in doing so, utilised some of the team cars, which is allowed to some extent, majority of the time they turn a blind eye to it, particularly when there's been a crash to get back on the peloton. And this commissaire has disqualified him for doing it. And so what sort of message does that send to riders and racers? For me, all I'm hearing is don't take your time. You need to get back up on your bike, no matter how hard you pit your head and get going as soon as possible because you're either going to miss the race and if you do miss the race and you need to use the cars to get back, which is usually allowed, um, you will be disqualified. And so I just think it just ruins me when that some of these commissaires use absolutely no common sense um, and they just look at the rule book, they see the, what the rider's done and they just strike through. And I've never, ever seen a commissaire change their mind. Um, so yeah, I think disappointing, hopefully everyone knows who that commissary is. And I just hope there's a discussion there and some change because it sends really, really bad, um, messages out to the elite field. Do you know the problem with common sense tools? Yeah. <laughs> it's not that common. <laughs> Commissaires will never change their mind. I've never seen a football referee or umpire change, change their mind. Uh, they've got too much pride. Uh, it's an ego thing. They'll never change their mind. Even when, even when they're wrong. But There's they should be punished if they get it wrong. If they get it wrong, then they should be, I don't know, not working on World Tour or some sort of, you know, they've got to do some sort of course. I'm not sure. But it is very rough that it's the athlete that cops that and, and that James Knox could have had concussion. And that's a very, very serious part of our cycling. We've seen um, some professional athletes who have had concussion and in doing so and keeping riding, it's ruined their career. Um, so, Yeah. There's a rules and then there's a spirit of the rules. And obviously what they've done, the commissaire, is not in the spirit of the rules. Who was a commissaire? Oh, I'm not sure. I've, oh, I've, you I, were so politically I, correct. I would name and shame. No, I'd give out his home address. I get out there and then I get done. <laughs> <laughs> I've done two, two of the bright twice and been disqualified both times. I haven't got a good, good track record with commissaires. I've got a bad track record. I've I've been I've oh, been. You have um, you have actually. Well, tell us about your and bad track record. Well, I mean, for those I, of us they, who haven't been following your career that, uh, as closely as we should I have, off my line uh, have you been given I a red card, so to speak? Winning the race to being, uh, you know, downgraded to second, and I was I, I had I had thirty different camera angles that told me that I didn't, but again, the their mind was made up, and so I had to walk 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 away with my towel between my legs and not say anything. Reynolds is a thug. She's a thug out there. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing elbows, skipping wheels. All right. 
All right. Well, a big day, uh, stage uh, three today. And just to recap on uh, the GC, Jay Vine is in the leader's jersey. He has a 15-second margin over the Spaniard in Bayo Bilbao with Simon Yates in third place. And let's not discount uh, Magnus Sheffield, who's his fourth, and uh, he's the American, and followed by the Swiss rider, Maro Schmidt, who's 46 seconds behind. But at this stage, with two big days to come, one big day, one super big day to come, and that's the final day on Mount Lofty. Jay Vine, Bayo Bilbao, and Simon Yates look pretty good. Thanks again to our sponsors, Own an Insurance Group and uh, Black Sheep Cycling Apparel. What a day. What, what a day. Where, as I always say, where else would you want to be? <laughs> Thanks, Dills. Thanks, Hollywood. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again very soon. Bye now. The Domestics by Black Sheep Cycling.